Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to yet another edition of the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. It is a special edition of this podcast in many ways, shapes, and forms tonight because to begin with, we're not in our usual podcast studio number eight inside beautiful Franklin Hall on the Indiana campus. Instead, we are in an abandoned, empty media room at the Chrysler Center here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Myself, Cameron Drummond, along with IDS men's basketball reporter Ben Portnoy. We drove up, what was it, Ben, six? Six hours, you want to say? Well, it was about four and a half. About four and a half? It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too we, bad. We thought it was going to be six. It was about four and a half, but right. it wasn't too bad. We, we made it work. So we made the drive up from Bloomington to Ann Arbor to cover this past Sunday's game between Indiana and number two Michigan, which just went final here about an hour and a half ago at the Chrysler Center, a 74-63 victory for the Wolverines to stay perfect on the season. They're 15-0. Indiana is now 12-3. and Yep, correct. On the season. Three and one in the Big Ten. We just finished up writing our stories. It's basically, you know, abandoned arena hours here. So it's just the 20 or 30 hardy members of the Indiana and Michigan men's basketball beats. And we found a former IDS member currently covering the Michigan Wolverines, Andrew Hussey, former IDS editor, former IDS men's basketball reporter, was gracious enough to join us for about a 10, 15 minute segment here where we'll kind of diagnose the game that we just watched unfold this Sunday afternoon, figure out why Michigan was able to lead wire to wire against the Hoosiers and basically kind of give you a recap of what you may have missed if you weren't able to tune into what was a pretty comprehensive Michigan victory broadcast on CBS Sports. So, Hussey, how are you? How are you doing today? It's good to be back on the IDS Basketball Podcast. Is it? We miss it you. Is. Friend of the program. He's Andrew a friend of the Hussey. program. I missed the jam session, though. Okay, we don't need to talk about last year's podcast. We're focused on this year's podcast. Uh, new, new one year, game new at a time. New podcast. New year, new cam, new podcast, all those good stuff. We're all wearing our... S- new Hussey. Hussey's got a job. Yeah, Hussey's got a job now. Congrats to Hussey working at the Wolverine. So, real quick, to give people a background, what's what's your day-to-day like kind of with for the Wolverine? Because it's with Rivals.com, right? Yeah, I've been covering Michigan football. That just got done with them losing in the Peach Bowl and also been covering Michigan basketball the entire season. And also doing a magazine once a month, so that's doing a bunch of different Olympic sports that I covered at the IDS, too. Right. Well, look at us all here, successful, wearing pants with belts and checkered shirts. I got a sport coat on. I just feel like such a credentialed member of the media right now, don't you guys? Fake it till you make it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so let's get into the nitty-gritty here. 74-63 was the final score, number two Michigan over number 21 Indiana. Of course, new AP rankings are going to come out on Monday, and Michigan will probably stay at two, and Indiana's probably definitely going to fall from 21. I'm not sure if they're going to fall out of the top 25, but just anyone, Ben, Hussey, either y'all can start. What happened today? Michigan raced out to a double-digit lead within the first six minutes of the game and then never looked back. Indiana got it to as close as seven points in the first half, but Michigan just kind of dominated this game. Slow starts for Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford really not helping Indiana's cause at all. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk Indiana here and let Haas take, take charge on the uh, Michigan side. But, no, I, th- I think this was a, it was a classic example of what we've seen from this Indiana team all year is that they get smacked in the mouth early. Um, they start out slow, lackadaisical, whatever iteration of the word you want to use. Um, and, and they didn't have it within the, you know, in the first 5, 10, 12 minutes um, you know, when Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan both are dealing with foul trouble, two quick fouls off the bat for both of them. Um, that takes immediately takes your two top scoring options and far and away <laughs> their best players off the floor. And it's not a recipe for success against a number two team in the country. Now that said, uh, Juwan Morgan was his usual self in the uh, in the post in the second half rather. Um, really looked sharp, muscled his way. Really Michigan through Michigan threw about three different defenders at him, and Morgan still got his shots, got his points. Uh, finished with twenty five and eight. Um, I mean, it really was another vintage Juwan Morgan 
game once he got going. Romeo Langford finished with ended up finishing with 17 points, um, kind of in the way that he always does, very quiet, <laughs> quietly fills the stat right. sheet, but a, a solid second half. And I think with Morgan's presence down low, that opened Lang, Langford for some drives. So um, really good second half. The starts are still something that uh, they got to figure out. Archie Miller said there isn't really a one-size-fits-all uh, solution, but he's had defense and toughness and, uh, you know, Indiana showed in the second half they can play with top teams. I mean, it, it gave, you know, Duke, they got blown out of the water, and that's one thing, and I think that game will turn into a – Duke's the number one team in the country, but I think that game will turn into a little bit of an enigma. Um, but, I mean, Indiana really played with Michigan all 20 minutes of the second half, and, like, you know, Cam, you and I even said sitting there that it was a 10-point game, but it felt like it was like a three-point game. Right. I mean, I mean it, it felt that the game was in, in balance, even when Michigan had a 10-point lead. And I, I think Indiana showed some showed some chops. And I really don't think they're going to drop out of the, the top 25 after this this effort. I think they showed that they've got the chops, at least uh, once they kind of got, got out of their own way. Well, I think the thing you talk about, too, is the slow starts have plagued Indiana throughout the season, whether it's been games like California Davis that Coach Archie Miller referenced after the game, games against Central Arkansas, Jacksonville, where in the non-conference Indiana's had this giant gap in talent against their opponents, able to overcome a slow start and kind of maybe coast for a victory towards the end. But, Hussey, that was not going to happen today. I mean, Michigan was firing on all cylinders in the first half. Once they got that lead, they maintained it. Like I mentioned, it got to seven in the second half, but it was really just kind of smooth sailing for the Wolverines most of the way. And I guess that's, you know, maybe there's not a talent gap between Indiana being superior to Michigan. It's the other way around, right, when you have guys like Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole. Um, I'm going to butcher uh, – the, the name that I'm going to try and say, but... Ignaz Brazdakis? Yes. Him. There it is. Big there name. it is. He had a... He had a not two of a... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not too impactful of a game. He got three fouls, you know, kind of was in foul trouble throughout the day, so it was really Matthews and Poole kind of carrying the load for Michigan on offense, but, I mean, once the, the pedal was down on the gas for Michigan, they were not about to let up today. This is really their game plan against top teams so far this season against Villanova, UNC, and Purdue. They kind of race out to a big lead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We just called Villanova and Purdue top teams? Uh, not the same level. I was, the Villanova win was impressive. I mean, yes. they blew them out of the water at, at, at Villanova. Early in the season so as well. So they go out to a big lead, not hold on at the end, but it's like a 10-point lead for the most of the game, and mm -hmm. that's pretty much what it was today. And you really didn't have uh, – it's the same game plan, too, in most of the games for Michigan. They have Charles Matthews and Jordan Poole go for 18. They don't have the same guys be the leading scorer every single game because you have your leading scorer, Iggy Brasdakis, only have 10 points tonight. So that was a little lower than his season averages. So it was just really – a consistent Michigan attack that got going early and once you kind of get them in a groove, it's going to be a hard team to stop, especially here at Chrysler Center. Well, right, I think you look at the box score for this game, and sometimes the box score doesn't really maybe tell the entirety of what a game is or all the details and the nooks and crannies of it. But Michigan shot 58% in the first half. Indiana shot 41% in the first half from the field. And then you look at the finishing scoring totals for the teams. Indiana only had two guys in double figures. Juwan Morgan with 25, Romeo Langford with 17. And you look at that Michigan seat, you have Brasdikas with 10 points, Matthews with 18, Poole with 18, and then Xavier. Simpson had a pretty nice game for himself as well. Despite going 5 of 10 from the field, he scored 12. So, I mean, you can clearly see, I guess, the difference in the, the balance of sharing the scoring load with the they're, Wolverines compared to Indiana. They're just such a balanced team all season long. They've had different guys go for 15, 20 points already so far this season. They've talked about it all year that they don't care who gets the points. They don't care who gets the shots. And when you kind of look at IU, it's more like you got to feed it to Morgan, you got to feed it to Laneford. And maybe that's why Michigan then has that gap, maybe not the talent gap per se, but the gap in actual teams is this team just knows how to score because it doesn't matter who has the ball on the court. Even John Teske has been a really good threat offensively, even at the five. And we saw Brandon Johns come in. He hadn't played 
all season. Yeah, it was funny. I heard some people kind of whispering around me that, you know, oh, Brandon Johns is here. Uh, Michigan finally has a backup center in place. He right. looked like a guy who could be, you know, starting for most Big Ten teams. I mean, he really looked the part tonight kind for someone who's kind of an unknown. Traditional John Beeline development curve had not played early on in his freshman season, kind of mm -hmm. physically wasn't ready, but he kind of got a few minutes early on in December. And as they were playing some weaker opponents, and now has kind of found himself here because John Teske and uh, Austin Davis were in foul trouble. And I think John's had eight rebounds today to lead the Wolverines as well. So he's got like a defensive presence as well, well so not just offensive stuff. Well, and I think Husky, you can speak to it more, but I think that you know Brandon Johns is a guy who's he was number seventy recruit in the country. He came in with some some talent. I mean, he was a four star guy, top hundred recruit. Like he has the talent. It was it was. It, do you feel like it was just a matter of figuring it out and kind of getting into the system? Yeah, I think he he even talked about how he didn't have. It was hard on the defense, Ben, because you, their defensive coaching staff, led by Yuki Lokic, um, is kind of an intricate defense, and it takes a little time to learn it. And I think that's he even talked about how it took him so long to learn it, and he wasn't physically able to move in the system yet. And it kind of taken him a long time to get there. But once he's gotten there, uh, he looks good for Michigan. That just kind of shows you how John Beeline developed his guys. You always can trust him. He might not play right away, but as the course of his freshman season goes on, his sophomore season, you look at John Teske and Xavier Simpson, they were not good as freshmen. And now here as juniors, they're leading the way for the Wolverines. Kind of the way you think about it from us as writers, like we all sucked as freshmen, but <laughs> now we're graduated, we're a senior. Myself, I'm a junior, a senior by credit hours. I think it's important to note, but we've all kind of matured and developed in the same way. So in a way that we're all kind of John Beeline's players today, if you think about it. <laughs> It is way too late. It is to way this. too late to be we doing this podcast. We still have a four and a half hour drive. Oh, yeah, so we're doing this at the Chrysler Center. We still have to drive about four and a half hours back to Bloomington. Ben's not taking classes this semester, but I am. I'll be in a 10-15 Spanish class Monday morning. I have so. a one-credit internship. It's the IDS. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how well we all function. I have all four classes that I'm taking this semester tomorrow, so that'll be a fun time. I'll be opening the IDS. Stay tuned, people. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> so going back to the box, going back to basketball for a second, I'm looking at a couple numbers here from the game that maybe kind of you know further tell the story of what happened. And points off turnovers, Michigan with a 12-4 advantage over Indiana. Bench points, a 10-0 advantage, Michigan over Indiana. We talked about how reliant the Hoosiers are on Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan to score. But, you know, the, the topic this season in and around Bloomington has been who is that third score going to be? Is it Al Durham one night? Is it Justin Smith one night? Can Devontae Green pop up and do something? But today we really didn't see anyone and to the detriment of IU's offense, really, you know, take it by the scruff of the neck and say, I'm going to generate some offense. We saw a nice a nice game from Al Durham, but, I mean, he still finishes with six points. So, like, that's not going to get it done for a third scorer on a Big Ten team. But this was the highest point per possession output against the Wolverines all season. So what Romeo Laneford and Juwan Morgan were able to do in the limited time they were on the court was still pretty impressive going up against Michigan's top defense. I think it's a top-rated defense by Kempom. So being able to put that up type of scoring output with just those two guys is pretty impressive. And when you have the other guys who, when Juwan and Romeo were off the court, it looked like a completely different game. They didn't know what was going on, the other kind of guys. And I think that kind of shows you a lot about the Hoosiers that they don't have that third guy. And I think that's going to be a question mark all season long for the Hoosiers. Let me just interrupt this real quick. Hussey doesn't think that's the top Ken Palm number. I know Hussey. He knows that's the top Ken Palm number. Don't be modest about that. I know you know your Ken Palm stuff. Are you still using my Ken Palm login? Maybe. Probably. We don't We don't need to talk about that. So I was checking out Ken Palm today. It was Michigan ranks, what, fourth in adjusted defense? Coming to you today, I think it was what the, was the ranking said. Yes. I think they're fourth overall. Yeah. In one 
They're fifth overall and they're fourth in adjusted defense. That's pretty good. Yeah. So you look at the the names that even played for Indiana today. Obviously, clearly a complete. You could you could have made a starting lineup of guys who did not play for Indiana today due to injury. So you had the quartet of freshmen out. Rob Fancy with a concussion, um, a lower leg, you know, surgery recovery thing for Jerome Hunter. Race Thompson also working his way back from a concussion, and Jake Forster with kind of an ankle foot injury. He's a boot, something along those lines. Yeah. Right. So neither of them, all of them, came to the game here at the Chrysler Center. They all were in sweats during the game, not even dressed. Deron Davis was kind of a game-time decision. Archie Miller said on his pregame radio show he was 80% to go, but after warm-ups, Deron came up to him and said, my ankle's bothering me, coach. I can't go. So he was a late scratch, right, at post-time. So you were having to rely on guys like Clifton Moore, Zach McRoberts, Evan Fitzner for a combined, I think, 39 minutes tonight. And across the board, they didn't do a ton of things to, you know, impact the game one way or the other. Zero, Zero points. points them, yeah. two, combined re two combined rebounds from all three of those guys and both came from McRoberts. Zero assists as well. Um, they were obviously kind of in the negatives. I think McRoberts was a minus 13 and Moore was a minus 9 for the plus minus for Indiana today. Um, this kind of is up for debate for both you guys because Hussey obviously you saw everyone but Fitzner play last season for Indiana in terms of Moore and McRoberts and obviously Ben you've been seeing the team this year. Do any of those three guys in particular need to be doing like more in the box score? Because my personal opinion is if, if Zach McRoberts is going to play 22 minutes a night, he's got to do something that's more than just zero, zero, two rebounds. But he just doesn't look healthy to me. Just watching him out there, he looks a lot fair, different fair. than what he did last season. And I think I thought a lot of people thought he would be even better this year because he'd just be a cog in the system rather than having to do too much. But I think when you're looking at Deron Davis, I think he would have been huge today because Brandon Johns had to play so much. I think Deron could have really beasted him down low and kind of made Johns uh, defensive lapses kind of pay off. And I don't think they had that guy with um, Clifton in there. And I think if you had Deron, it would have been a, maybe a completely different game. And I think even to that point, I, I think that's a good point. And I think that when you look at, um, you know, what Juwan Morgan was able to do down low once he figured it out. I mean, John Teske couldn't guard him the entire night. Austin Davis couldn't guard him the entire night. Pretty much every time it seemed like he went up, one of those two, either Davis or Teske, was going to foul him. Um, Brandon Johns had some success marginally down the stretch. He was solid for the most part. Uh, but Morgan still got his points. If you throw a throw a two-man sort of twin tower thing, a lineup of Deron Davis and Juwan Morgan, and you isolate those guys on the block, both those guys are perfectly capable of getting theirs kind of thing. I mean, Deron Davis has been really good in spurts this year, and I, and I think you know some of it's the working back to full health, the Achilles injury from last year. It's a long process. He's working back into mostly game shape at this point. But... Um, that's it. I think, like you said, Huss, it's a, it's not having that really hurt the Hoosiers, especially in that front court depth. I mean, Deron Davis is a huge piece of this team. They don't go. Indiana doesn't have anywhere remotely close to the depth in the front court that they have in the back court. And the thing I think you talk about too is this all kind of even plays. even Race Thompson or uh, Jake Forrester too. I right. mean, you know, those guys. Race obviously hasn't played all year, and Jake's played in you know mop-up minutes, but bo right. both have upside, upside that could have been used tonight, at least depth-wise. Right, and all of this is kind of predicated on the fact that if you don't have the early foul trouble that Juwan Morgan and Roman Langford get into, each of them committing two fouls each within the first 359 of the game, this kind of changes the complexion of something, uh, or of the outcome of the game, excuse me. Hussey, I forget who said this, but in post-game media scrum for Michigan players, I think you mentioned someone, you know, the early fouls and taking Langford and Morgan out of the game, which is what Archie Miller likes to do. You know, you got two fouls early on. I think any college coach is probably going to sit you for most of the first half. But some Michigan player, I think you can, you know, enlighten me a bit further, kind of explained how taking those two guys, Indiana's primary scoring options, out of the game so early really affected the way that the rest of that first half and ultimately the game played out. Yeah, they said, we were talking to Jordan Fool and he talked about how it was a huge boost for them to have 
have Romeo and Juwan because they knew how pivotal they were to the offense. And also I think a key part of this game also was Charles Matthews for uh, Michigan. He doesn't get talked about too much, but he's been really steady for Michigan. And Coach Beeline talked about how he was excited to go against Romeo Lanford. He was excited to take him out of the game and play his type of game on offense. And that kind of matchup, uh, Romeo has to be able to do something a little more against Matthews, though. Right. And something like, I guess maybe this is kind of oversimplifying things to a degree, but this matchup was maybe kind of billed as the, you know, Big Ten Freshman Player of the Year race between Romeo Langford and Ignas Brzezdikas. Did I get that right? You got that right. Yes. <laughs> and we didn't really get to see that play out. I mean, we got to see Romeo kind of go both off for trouble. 11 points in yeah. the second half, but they were both, you know, in foul trouble for the majority of the game. Brasdikas finished with, what, three fouls, I think? Four personal fouls. But I think they also... Or thing, three, excuse me. Michigan also wasn't without their top... One of their top bench players, Isaiah Livers. That's, that could have made it a completely different game going against Juwan Morgan. I think he would have had a little more success than Michigan's front line had tonight. No, I agree, and I think that's good. That's worth noting. I mean, obviously, I use with Deron, without Deron Davis, but Isaiah Livers is a huge piece of this team. I mean, he had, what, 17 points against Binghamton the other night? I mean, that was kind of, in a way, his kind of coming out party. Um, he's, he's really got some size and some skill around the basket, and I think he gives them sort of that physical body that could have, in theory, matched up against Morgan, and maybe, I mean, Hatsi, you can speak to it a little bit more, but at least this little bit that I've seen him, it seems like he's got a little bit of athleticism that he can keep foot speed-wise with, with Morgan in a yeah, way that Teske couldn't. He's definitely got that on the defensive end. He's also so Michigan's second leading uh, score from behind the arc. So you would have tested Juwan to get out behind the arc. So that would have right. been key for Michigan's offense. Now this is going to be a real hypothetical. Probably no one has the actual answer to this, but I'm going to propose it to you guys anyway. Let's assume each team has a full allotment of healthy guys. Livers plays for Michigan. Indiana has at least Finnessy and Deron Davis. And let's go ahead and throw in someone like Jake Forrester in to maybe come off the bench if needed. Is this game still as lopsided as one-sided as controlled by Michigan as it otherwise would be I mean I think that I think in a weird way these teams actually match up pretty well against each other I think I think Michigan's the more talented team but I think that Indiana because of just what a scoring punch that Romeo Langford and John Morgan are they're gonna be in every game they play for the most part even this game where they got run off the court the first 10-12 minutes of the game um, they still hung around and, and I think that that's first of all a testament to you know both Langford and uh, Morgan's offensive prowess once they got it going, but I think even the, you're going to kind of see this play out in three weeks. These teams come, Michigan goes to Ann Arbor, and presumably they'll be more healthier. Well, I hope Michigan comes to Bloomington and not Ann Arbor. <laughs> Bloomington, geez, it's it's. I hope o'clock. we don't go to Ann Arbor for that game. <laughs> <laughs> we will not be driving back to Ann Arbor now, um, but rather than in Bloomington. Um, but I, but like I said, you'll see this play out, um, and I think that I, I don't know. I think these teams are pretty evenly matched, and I think that it. Just from a basketball perspective, I'd like to see both teams healthy in, the, in a tight game. Yeah, I think they're they're pretty evenly matched, but I think Michigan and all their big games this season have gone on these little runs that we yep. saw in the first half, and it doesn't matter who they're playing. They go on these runs, and it doesn't matter. I think they would have had that run even if Juwan and Romeo were on the court at some point during the game that it would have had a pool three here, an Iggy three there. They just have those moments where they take over the game, and no team has been able to stop it so far this season. Well, I mean, they started, what, 13 of 15 from the field or 12 of 15? They were shooting 15. like 81%. I think it was 31 from, 13 of 15, ridiculous. 81% from the field in the first, like, seven minutes of the game. Like, that's I mean, good. Th- that's, that's, that's stupid Very good. good, and that's a terrible way to describe it. But, I mean, that's, that's at a point where, you know, I kind of think of it as 
Hussey, you'll remember this, is that that Sweet 16 game that Indiana played against North Carolina, that North Carolina team ended up, I think, going to the national championship game. Um, in Philly, they, right, like 30-point blowout win. Yeah, they like won by, like, 30. Heels. And yeah. Carolina shot, you know, like, 60% from three-point range. It was one of the – you kind of just threw your hands up and said, okay, well, this is how this is going. And yeah. that's kind of how uh, – Arch Miller's doing a lot of that today, too. He's kind of throwing up his hands just being like – Even though what, Michigan didn't even make it three in the second half. Right, and I think that's kind of what happened in the first half is they got – and I think I tweeted it, but the word I used was shell-shocked. I think yes, Indiana was not ready to play. It kind of got – You have Twitter open. That. You know you tweeted shell-shocked. Don't, <laughs> don't be like Hussey No, no, that was that was way earlier. But – um. Anyway, no. So I think, but I think I, if you're Archie in that moment when you're getting blitzed, you have to take a timeout because you know what Michigan is. He did that once. He did. He took one timeout. And what happened after that timeout was Zach McRoberts had an errant pass. that got taken away for a breakaway layup or dunk. <laughs> and then you're kind of like, that's not what we we're expecting. That's not what's supposed to happen. And it was going to be one of those days for Indiana. <laughs> and to their credit, they fought back. I mean, they got it together. And most of that is Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford. But still, I mean, they, they fought back. And they, you and I have watched enough of this team that – you know, I hate, we've used the word gritty for this team probably eight thousand oh, times at this point. Some but it's, real it's, grit. So much grit. Grit team, um, not chaos team. Grit team. <laughs> uh, but no, <laughs> this is a team that really does. I mean, they can edge out tight games, and they showed it at least against you know Northwestern, Penn State. I mean, so, I, I'm, so. I'm sorry, but, to... but they've got they've got the ability to hang around, and you know, they're not uncomfortable in games like this. They they know they can do it. They just can't afford to dig themselves holes against uh, you know. 20-point hole against someone, I think it was 19, it was the highest, against the number two team in the country. It's just not a winning formula. And that's what you got to do if you're IU when you come back to Bloomington to face them. Michigan isn't that kind of team that has gritted out a lot of victories. They kind of have coasted to most yeah. of their victories this season. So if you're IU, you got to get it to the last four minutes where it's a close game. And that is your opportunity. Maybe it's a five-point game. Get some game pressure on them late, and that's your chance to win. And how's I have a question for you in that? Because like, and we'll I get can... to that question right after we take a break here on the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast. We'll be back to you guys in a few seconds. I'm so happy I got to cut off Ben for that. We'll see you guys in a sec. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS College Bookstore. We left you on a bit of a cliffhanger there because Ben was about to ask Hussey a question and I cut him off and you heard a commercial. So Ben, you can ask that question now. Hussey, <laughs> I know it's kind of a hypothetical, but um, do, looking at this Michigan team, they haven't played great the last couple of weeks. Tonight was a good game. They came out strong. They, they held it together throughout, even when Indiana gave them their best punches. But... I don't want to say if they peak too early because it's a really it is a really long season. We're still only about ha- we're not even halfway through yet. Do you feel like there's kind of maybe some complacency? Um, I really don't think that from what we've heard from the players. They're always about one and no mindset. They're always about sure. getting better. And I think it, it was difficult for Michigan because they had this schedule where they had one game every week. And John Beeline talked about how he didn't like that because you weren't able to get in the rhythm. And we were talking to Iggy this week, and he was talking about how they're a rhythm team, and they haven't been able to play with rhythm. And now we're going to get to see them play once every two, every four days, and they like that rhythm. Although, granted, the competition level does ratchet up. Or yeah, the, they're you playing. Know, the physicality, the it's Big Ten, 17 games left in the conference season grind type stuff. Well, they say, they, oh, they're going to take each opponent seriously. You're playing Air Force and Binghamton, and they're just not teams that you're going to get up for. And when you see IU come in, you're going to get up for it. When you go to Illinois, you know you got to be up for it, even though. Uh, you could probably not be up for it and probably be okay at Illinois. Yeah, but maybe. Think... <laughs> Indiana well, did their damnedest to try. <laughs> right. Hear that Illinois, you know what I'm saying? Oh, God. 
I'm uh, sorry. I mean, look at, but I mean, Hasu, you said it a little bit that that stretch. I mean, they, Michigan had a like six, seven game stretch where they played Providence, UNC, Purdue, Northwestern, and South Carolina. Those I think it was a six game stretch, and I'm doing if I'm doing my math right. But you know, journalism major, you never know. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's a hell of a stretch. Brutal, I mean, it was yeah. games pretty much every couple of days, and uh, getting into a stretch, those are games you're going to get up for for the most part. And I think that you know, to what you were saying, that helps a team like you said that is a quote unquote rhythm team, right? Yeah, I mean, they have so many different guys who kind of get theirs. It's not going to be one guy going to take over a game. And I think maybe that in those games when it's sloppy and they're kind of sleepwalking through it, they don't have a guy who's just going to completely take over. But what we've seen recently, Jordan Poole has been that guy. And I think if they do get in that opportunity in the next few weeks, it would be Jordan Poole who kind of steps up and maybe hits a bunch of shots and makes sure that this game doesn't get like those other games. It's not to say Michigan's played poorly. I mean, even against Air Force and Binghamton, where they kind of slept, walked through three quarters of those games, they ended up winning both games by 20 or 21 points. Like, yeah, and that's the, the, the game wasn't ever in doubt, really. I mean, it was close in, into the second half, and that Binghamton game was pretty close until they went on that later on. But still, I mean, they've pulled it out when they needed to. It's well, just you're kind of nitpicking a 15 and 0 team. Yeah, because exactly. If you're 15 and 0, then like you're, you're going to have right. to nitpick to find negatives. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, the thing is. The thing that Hussey keeps going back to with Michigan, you know how it's not going to be one guy to take over a game. They're, you know, balanced, sharing, playing in rhythm, stuff like that. That's all kind of eating at the periphery of the problems that we've seen with Indiana this season is just the over-reliance on someone like Jawan, even to gut out those tight non-conference games that shouldn't have been that tight or the reliance on Romeo or we've even seen a reliance on Rob Finnessy for being a freshman starting point guard. Um, so, I, I mean, you just kind of really see the, the parallels in between what a team like Michigan is and what a team like Indiana is, at least at this moment with injuries and other situations going on. But I think I get that, but it's also Michigan went to the national title last year. They have right. a group who's played so much basketball together that I think no matter what, they have a core group of guys that went to the title and they got down against Villanova and they're, they're still mad about that. They want to get back there. They keep talking about that. They want to win another Big Ten championship in the tournament. They got back-to-back, -back and they know history might be on the line if they get a third in a row. So this team, they have a lot more experience playing together than I used It's does. a bit more of a well-oiled machine. Yeah. They, the, the gears are greased. And John Beeline has it rolling so well. He has his assistants. He has everything working, and it's still Archie's second year. Right. So, I mean, I guess kind of pivoting a little bit more, more to an Indiana front, we talked about, you know, this upcoming stretch where Michigan's got, you know, stay – you know, kind of locked in. I guess everyone's gonna be giving them their best shot now. Number two team in the country, still undefeated. I'm sure the 76 Hoosiers are, you know, watching at home on pins and needles, ready to pop the champagne cork the moment that <laughs> Illinois comes up. into the Chrysler Center and pulls an upset win. But what does this look like for Indiana going forward now? Because now you have a stretch where this began a, a period of six games or six of the next eight games for Indiana, including this one, which are going to be on the road. Obviously, the Hoosiers are undefeated at home this season. But then you look at their losses at Arkansas, at Duke, and then at Michigan, this team's best and really only true road win is what, at Penn State? So I guess yeah. we're about to figure out if the Hoosiers can do it on the road against even mediocre to slightly top-tier Big Ten teams on the road, like a Purdue, like a Maryland. Well, Maryland's an interesting case, and luck, uh, for I guess luckily for Archie Miller and his crew, they've got a week off um, before that Maryland game. It's not until next next Friday. Although, they, they, if you look at the recent schedule, Indiana had the 11-day layoff right. for Christmas break. They kind of sleptwalked through Illinois then today. Right. So. They don't necessarily need the time off, but I think it's a chance for them to, after a slow start, that they can regroup a little bit. It's four days. They're going to be traveling, obviously. They do need to get healthy, though, too, so I guess they, that's where you appreciate yeah, the week off. Yeah, I think that you know with a Friday game, they've got a chance that maybe they can maybe you get a Rob Finnessy back, maybe Jake Forrester figures it out. Hopefully it gives Deron Davis a couple days to figure it out. Um, 
they've got some t- at least a couple of days to work with. But even after that, they go to Maryland. They're home against Nebraska. And that's a quick, next. that's a Friday Monday turnaround. Yeah, it's yeah. a quick turnaround. And then you're at Purdue the following Saturday, at Northwestern, home against Michigan, and then you go into another tough stretch where you get. Uh, yeah, Michigan, I think you get Rutgers, and then you get Michigan State. You can almost Iowa. use that Rutgers game as the dividing line. Yeah, you get the Rutgers game, which is kind of right, right in the middle, and then you get Michigan State at Michigan State, home against Iowa, home against Ohio State, at Minnesota, and then Purdue again. So like this schedule does not do Indiana any favors over the next month and a half. I don't know why this just just occurred to me now, but uh, Hussey pulled up the schedule on his phone. Portnoy's got his laptop, and I leaned over to Hussey, you know, looking at it, seeing the. You know, stretch was it at Maryland, home to Nebraska, at Purdue, at Northwestern, and then home again to Michigan. And me and him just kind of had a moment where we looked at each other and we're just like, that's a, I mean, just looking at that and drinking it in, that's kind of brutal. That's that's a tough stretch. I mean, the Big Ten has looked really good so far. What, this nine, season. ten bid league? There's people not going to be any easy games, and it looks like they're on the road for a significant stretch to begin this. I think if you're Archie Miller, you got to say, okay, we're going to take our lumps, we're going to take our losses. We might fall out of the AP rankings, but we got to continue to get better and find that third scorer so when you do get to the beginning of March, you can put together a good resume for the tournament. But here's the thing, though, like, back to the third scorer argument, because everything Indiana basketball-related, which is true, everything <laughs> Indiana basketball-related has to go back oh, to the third God. scorer argument because that's kind of at the crux of all these issues. We're three games at the Big Ten Conference play now, boys. It's a little late. It's a little late to try and find your third score, right? Like, shouldn't... I think they're just not might not beat you guys. Well, yeah, and you plot just twist, ru- they don't have a third score. Plot twist, he's never going to walk through the door. Right. You just got to ride... Trace Jackson Davis doesn't get there until next year. <laughs> you just got to ride Romeo and Juwan as far as you can take them. And, and I think... But I will think, that work in Big Ten play? I, I don't know if it works in Big Ten play, but I think in March Madness and Big Ten, Big Ten tournament time, and not, this is obviously forecasting pretty far out, but... Kemba Walker single-handedly took a UConn right. team to a national championship. Yep. I'm not saying that Romeo Langford or Juwan Morgan are, you know, going to go on a Kemba streak where he won, you know, the, all the Big Ten, to, Big East, and then won right. the national title. But you can lean on guys like that in a sense. But I think with a, I think a bat, physically they match up okay with Michigan. Where they don't match up well against Michigan is the fact that, like you said, Haas, is that they can score from a lot of places. And I think that's where Indiana has trouble is that, you know, when they have to rely on two guys, if either of them get knocked out, they're kind of screwed. And when both of them get knocked out, you're really in trouble. <laughs> right. Whereas with a Michigan team that you, you look at, they're number two in the country, they've got like five guys who can put up, you know, 15 points a night. And that's, that's what I think separates a Michigan from an Indiana. And there's like a tier cutoff there, like, you know, tier one teams, yeah. tier two, tier they three. They might not have a Romeo, but you can have five guys who can get Romeo's production on a game right. and game out basis. Right. Saver metrics. <laughs> yes. It's Bill- Moneyball, baby. Billy, Billy Bean, Bean, Oakland A's, Moneyball. Yep. Great for this. So if it's, if it's too late for Indiana to maybe find that third scoring option and you're relying on Romeo and Juwan for, you know, to carry the load, to have all the bread in their basket in terms of scoring points, to coin a phrase that I just thought of now. You didn't make that phrase up. I mean, like, I used it in, in that context. I did make it up, so you're wrong. Hand baskets. Yes, everything's going to hell in a hand basket right now. But, okay, so so what do you expect then? Like, what's Justin Smith, Al Durham, Devontae Green, who, like, I thought was kind of poised for a breakout game tonight. Had and a pretty decent game. Had a, I mean, it's a Devontae Green game. He went four of nine from the field, scored nine points, didn't commit no a turnover. So we had, you know, a bit of good Devon, but it was, like, lukewarm but Devontae. it didn't seem like he made an yeah. impact. It was like yeah, there we go. quiet point. But yeah. like, so when you look at you know guys who may be on the fringe of being candidates for the third score or the third option role, if no one's going to really take it by you know the the shirt collar and, and assume that responsibility, then you're going to have three guys who could potentially maybe be the third score. And isn't that? I mean, that's worse than having one guy who is the third option, right? I mean, you just got to run the offense through Romeo and Jawan. They're too yeah. good to not have them touch the ball every single down the court. And I, I mean, there was a period in the beginning of the it, second half where they just force fed it. 
in the post to Juwan, and time, it was successful. And of course, Michigan would slough onto him, double team him, and that's when you know that's Javante Romeo Green, got going. Javante, Romeo got going. Devontae Green opened up for that open three. Yeah. I mean, it was plays like that. That's what the effect that Juwan Morgan and Romeo Langford can have on each other for one, and then the way the effect that. Romeo, or Juwan Morgan, rather, has on the rest of the team is when he gets going, t- defenses have to basically collapse on him, and it opens him up. You know, He's talked a bunch about his passing out of the post, and I think that's a really underrated thing that he does well. Um, and it, it, he just opens his team. He opens up his teammates literally just by standing in the post. Yeah. And I'm going to knock on wood here because the back of my chair is wooden, but we've seen some injury trouble with Indiana this season. If the injury bug ever struck <laughs> Romeo or Jawan in a significant way, we've seen it strike Romeo like he got, you know, he's got a bloody nose. Jawan had that fall, I think, against Northwestern where he missed the end of the game, which is where we saw Romeo kind of have his first leadership moment. Rob Finnessy had some clutch plays down the stretch there too. But I can't imagine this team operating offensively without one of those two guys, let alone, you know, both <laughs> of them for any extended period of time. You're right, it goes from a grit team to chaos team again. Absolute chaos team. <laughs> chaos team. Because at that point, it's just all hands on deck. I don't know what you do. And or that's like, I still train I, the shot clock and run an offense, four corner offense. Like yeah. run with Princeton the, the offense. Princeton offense. God. Hey, it was. God. I, I, I don't know. I think that Indiana's, you know, they've got their problems, but I think just Juwan and Romeo keep rolling. This team will roll. I think. I still think this team's got the Sweet 16 upside. I think they're right. that talented. Well, so how does this team, I guess, I mean, Hussey, you, you've seen this team kind of go, th- I mean, through a Big Ten play, obviously, Korean's final year, Archie's first year, like, maybe the not the two best years you could have picked to cover <laughs> Indiana basketball, gonna be honest with you. <laughs> it's not my choice. At least for the Big Ten portion <laughs> of the schedule, but you've seen, I guess, how, I mean, we're talking about, you know, how things Saul are. Curtis Jones, crazy game against Kansas, and now he's <laughs> You didn't go to, ho- you didn't go to Hawaii. Yeah, game. Yeah, Marquette, the Evan Fitzner game. We'll talk children about that. <laughs> but you've seen, I guess, like Indiana at their worst in Big Ten play when they're capitulating under one coach and still trying to understand the system under a new coach. So I guess, you know, us kind of maybe nitpicking and talking about some of the stuff isn't quite the same because, I mean, this is still an Indiana team that's going to finish over 500 in conference play, probably be, you know, maybe a top six seed for the NCAA tournament, yeah, I too. Still, I still feel pretty confident they're going to be a five or a four seed. I just think you you got to ride Romeo, and I've been saying this for the last five minutes. This is the guy you didn't have last year when right. you'd always been looking for that guy. It wasn't Rob. It wasn't Josh Newkirk. It, sh- it definitely Ro- was not Josh Newkirk. That was not Josh we Newkirk. Correct. We were sitting amongst – I was sitting with the Michigan people tonight, and yeah. there was noticeable oohs and ahs when Romeo would go into the basket. Right. That's just something that no one on this team has been able to do the last – probably in the last decades. So I think having him is just – it changes things. He can take over games, and I think maybe we're waiting to see that completely. But for IU to be a tournament team, it's all going to come down to Romeo. And I mean, the thing too is we talk about Romeo being this quiet, you know, maybe a quiet, calming force on the court. He obviously is very soft-spoken, doesn't really exert himself too much in post-game media. He's you know kind of very to himself, so kind of contradicts the persona that he has when he's playing and scoring all these points and making these amazing moves. But can a guy like Romeo, who's still a freshman, still learning, obviously? be like you know the alpha dog leader that this Indian team may need if they're going to do what Hussey says and kind of have to ride him all the way as far as they can he can take it. I think Juwan Morgan's that guy more than Romeo honestly I think not that Romeo I think Romeo's a better scorer and I think he's you know incredibly capable of taking over a game but I think Juwan Morgan's done it literally all year that's the thing that that strikes me I mean I think you can ride Juwan Morgan and, and Romeo's going to get his I think I really the guy to me that sticks out and obviously didn't play tonight is Rob Finnessy yeah um, well maybe know. because he didn't play tonight is why he stuck out to you well, for that's part of it, but I think that even in games, he's made big shots down the stretch. The Arkansas game, obviously, had the butter buzzer beater against Butler, which was crazy. But he's a guy who's 
got scoring potential and put up points in high school. I mean, he's a, he's definitely a floor general type and a true point guard, but he can get his points. And I, and I think Archie even said something about wanting him to be more aggressive and hunt more shots. And that's not that he needs to be, you know, hucking up 20 shots a game, but, you know. The, Devon, the Devontae Green and, at times, Josh Nuke and Robert Johnson problem. Yes. Last year's problem. Right. <laughs> the last four I, years' there's, problem. There's a look of but, absolute pain on Hussey's face when I brought that up. But, no, I, I think that's a real thing, though. I, th- I think that he's got the potential. He gets to the basket really well for a guy who's, yes. you know, 5'11", 6'6", if that. Um, he's got the ability to get to the hoop. He's got a nice jump shot. He's got a good stroke. I think they just have to – I think if he they get him going a little bit, I think that he, they've got a shot to find a third scorer. And I think he's a guy who has matured. And you've seen the maturity. In yeah. him, even, whatever, 15 games into the season now. I mean, he's a different player from where he was at Arkansas to now. I mean, there were moments where Archie Miller would call timeout, you know, kind of snap at Finnessy, take him out of the game because of a missed defensive assignment right. or, you know, a poor offensive decision. And from maybe game four of the season to now, he's obviously learned much from, from he's that. A calming and, pre- that and he's a calming presence in the same way that Romeo is. I think he keeps people under control, whereas Devontae Green is kind of here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's not that Devontae <laughs> Green can't score points. But it's, just, he, it's just the style of players are so different. Yeah, and I think Finnessy is very much settle down, breathe, run the offense, and find the right look. And Romeo spoke after the game today about how much Finnessy kind of allows all the other guards, himself, Al, Devontae, to play harder on defense because right. obviously they're not exerting themselves so much on both ends of the floor just because you have another body and also it's a really talented body at that. Uh, so it's about nine now, so we're going to kind of wrap this up here. So final questions for, I guess, each of us. Hussey, Michigan, 15-0. and 0. I don't know if they're peaking too early is the right word or not, but yeah. where do you see this team going the rest of the season? I mean, it's hard to call a national champion in the first week of January, but like, how does this play out for them the rest of the season, you think? Yeah, I think all of us in the media here at Michigan have kind of circled. They go to Michigan State on the last Saturday of the season. Ooh. And those final, two game, teams, final game, final of, the game of the season. Ooh. Um, so we've all kind of been thinking game that day. that's going to be the game that decides who wins the Big Ten because Michigan State has kind of solidified themselves as a yeah. top ten. Michigan top State and Michigan team. are now the only teams that are 4-0 in the Big Ten. Michigan State beat Ohio State yesterday. Yeah. Yes. So it, it kind of looks like it's going to come down to that for them. And I think they play as well as anybody in the Big Ten tournament we've seen in the last two years. Right. So I think Unbelievably well, honestly. They just think they're playing the slide off the runway. That makes <laughs> yeah, but I think... With no one hurt, with no one with hurt. With no one hurt, obviously. No, it just gets their juices going. Yeah, I think <laughs> they want to go back to the title. They want to go back to the Final Four. And I think it definitely... As anything in the NCAA tournament, it comes down to matchups yeah. and who's playing it hot at the right time. Could they be able to beat a Duke? I mean, Duke's really tough. So I think can confirm after watching Zion Williamson slam a ball through the scoop <laughs> right in front of our face. Two feet in front of my face. He is large and good. But I think if there's any team in the country, they're in the conversation to go back to the championship game, try to get this done. So top um, two, top, top three seed in the tournament. Two, I think Iggy Brasegas even this week said they're the best team in the country. He's brash. He's Got not afraid swagger. to say that. And I think this team... They're, they might not be peaking right now, but every single time a big game is going to come up, they're going to be ready for it. They're right. going ha- to come out and ready to play. And I think if Brandon Johns is able to develop and come into this and he's able to back up John Teske, mm-hmm. that was the one hole that they've had all season long is kind of a bench presence. Right. And I think you have so many guys that I don't think anyone's going to get cold. This team is definitely a Final Four contender. Yeah. And now Ben from Indiana, a team certainly not quite peaking right now, but also something that Hussey just mentioned stuck out to me. When Michigan plays a big game, you always know they're ready for it. They're ready for the test. They're ready to show up. And, you know, right from the beginning, like Archie Miller said tonight, start dealing out punches to teams left, right, and center. Indiana, even when it's not a big game, like non-conference play, like Illinois, seems to struggle. Illinois. Illinois. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the Illinois thing, sorry. Why? I, I don't know. How you say it. E- ignoring Hussey. For Illinois, even... 
they're not coming out ready to perform in these big games that aren't even you know super big games. So how do you fix that problem? And no one knows the answer to this, so I'm going to ask you for the answer to it. <laughs> You'd be yeah, a millionaire so, if you able to Once answer. I get this one, I'll solve War of Hunger, too. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that the thing with this team is, I think, I hate the word motivation, but that's not because that's not really necessarily quite the right way to say it. But, I mean, I've been a part of teams in you know, high school, growing up, like, teams that start slow. And it's not the same as, I'm not comparing that to Division One basketball. I'm glad you're not comparing your athletic career to a D1 basketball player's no, no. career. Back when, I, back when I was a lacrosse player at Indiana. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I think this is you know I've been a part of teams that started slow and sometimes it's just in teams DNA they just don't get off the they just don't get off the bounce they don't get going early and I, and they have the ability to bounce back and for better or worse Indiana's got the capability to bounce back and I think it's a negative because they start poorly but at the same time there's a real positive in the fact that they can get going um, really at any time even when they're really down in the dumps like that I mean this game looked like it was going to be over by halftime and. Indiana battled back, and like I said, you know, even when it was a ten point game, it felt like a one possession game. Yeah. Um, Indiana and was a nine point underdog, so losing by eleven isn't even that crazy no, or blowouty. Right, it's pretty much on par. Um, so I think there's that, and I think the other thing to kind of close it out is that this is a young Indiana team. Yes, Juwan Morgan's your senior leader, and he's putting up a lot of points, but this is not like a veteran laden team completely. I mean, the, Romeo Langford's a young guy. Finnessy's a freshman. You basically got, you've got two freshmen in your starting rotation. Justin Smith's a sophomore who's still you know figuring it out and has to his credit he had a really good nice game tonight. Yeah, um, subtle but nice. I haven't necessarily mentioned it. He's been solid over the last week or two. Um, but I think that this people need to remember this is a young team and you know I really thought that coming into this season I, I felt confident that Indiana could finish in the top four in the Big Ten um, and I think the Big Ten's been a lot better than I thought it might be. But um, at that same time I think that. This is a team that where when you look at where they were against Arkansas or Chicago State, you know Montana State, those are kind of throwaway games. But those those early games, this is a very different team, and I think that Indiana's very, you know, with where they are in the season, they've got a really high ceiling simply because of how talented that roster is. I mean, Justin Smith, we've said, and you know, it doesn't look like it's going to come to fruition, but Justin Smith is the kind of guy that coming into the season. You and I can both said like if there's one guy who came out of nowhere on this team and you know made NBA draft boards, <laughs> yeah. Smith. I'm not. I was kind of thinking about our previous podcast where we're like, yeah, if someone's gonna have a breakout year and maybe be a top five draft pick, it's gonna be Justin Smith from Wowing Everyone. That's clearly not happened. <laughs> but that prognostication that is not. Coming but the potential but the, is there. Right, and that's the thing I think that people forget is that you know even people complain about Romeo Langford not taking over games. The guy's scoring 17 points and had six rebounds on the road against the number two team in the country. I don't know what people want more of <laughs> because I, I like what is a while, good game while for doing him? primary ball handling responsibilities too right you know i mean does he have to score 35 points and 10 rebounds a night i mean i, I really don't get it and i think that this isn't new albany playing jennings county seriously <laughs> or orleans hey, shout jennings out county, i always used to have to go to there for swim meets when i was a little kid all right now hussey's bragging about his athletic career as a swimmer while he was a child anyway excellent but no i think i think they've got a high upside and i, I think they're going to start figuring it out and i think you've seen the defenses specifically come yeah. together um it's gotten much better over the course of the season you know and especially they, like coming out of the half and just really like kind of locking down on defense like you mentioned hussey michigan yeah. not ma even making a three-pointer in the second yeah half. this is a team that's starting to figure it out and i think to close it out I, this is a team that's got high upside and i actually still feel pretty confident that they're going to be a sweet 16 yeah. so if we're talking like stock market stuff like michigan's the hot shiny stock that's like at its peak right now but like hey it's probably going to still keep going up because it's really valuable and really good. And Indiana's maybe like a middling to low stock where like if you're buying it, you're buying it purely based on the fact that if conditions are right and if everything falls into place, that they can take off like a rocket ship. As a political science minor and Spanish minor, I'm going to trust your economics knowledge on that and I, say, sure, that sounds right. I took microeconomics in 12th grade in high school. I think I was pretty bad at it. I, think I don't remember the, anything the, from it. Did you ever take econ? I did. I take 
AP microeconomics. Yeah, same. Oh, so we've got to combine two semesters worth of econ knowledge sitting at this table. <laughs> hey, it was a full. Yeah. We're Although both I might nerds, count as fine. negative, so I'm not sure if we have a full two. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's too late. Thank you so much for sticking with us here. Um, we're gonna make the four and a half hour drive back to Bloomington now, so I can make it to my Spanish class and, frankly, all of my classes tomorrow to start the spring semester. Again, to close things out here in Michigan with an 11 point win over Indiana, Hoosiers now 12 and three overall, three and one in Big Ten play. That's right, right. 12 and three overall, three and one in Big Ten play. And we will catch you guys online for content at idsnews.com before Indiana plays at Maryland this Friday night. Yep. I'm getting all that correct. I'm confirming everything because I do not know where I am, where my bearings are. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to stick with us, idsnews.com for all your IU men's basketball needs and coverages. Thank you so much to Andrew Hussey for stopping by as well. Drive safe, Huss.